lecture two part one of christian patience by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture two on the nature and object of christian patience part one patience is necessary for you that doing the will of god you may receive the promise hebrews chapter ten verse thirty six when we have obtained a clear insight into the precise nature of any virtue of how it works in the soul and to what purpose it is directed we have gained the knowledge both of what it is and of what it is not and we are able to distinguish its action from every other movement of the will this knowledge is of great importance for the cultivation of virtue for as an engineer cannot work his engine satisfactorily unless he knows what belongs to every part of its construction a soul cannot manage herself with intelligence unless she knows what belongs to her several powers in the exercise of the virtues when one thing in the soul is confused by the mind with another the will cannot work in clear light and may even confound what is opposed to a virtue with the virtue itself causing error perplexity and uneasiness there are many people who read expositions of the virtues in books and have a real desire to profit by them yet the knowledge they gain is but little compared with what they might obtain because they look more into the book than into themselves they do not reflect upon their own interior state or upon their own interior operations in doing which the book is intended to assist them nor do they carefully observe what passes within their souls their knowledge is book knowledge not self-knowledge and is consequently shallow without roots within them and quickly fades and passes away such unreflecting readers are like the man who beholds his face in a glass goes his way and presently forgets what manner of man he is but if we look upon a book as no more than a help to self-knowledge and the perfecting of the virtues and if we second the book by interior reflection and observation then it will enable us to read and understand the interior book of the soul which has the immense advantage of being illuminated with spiritual light and we shall thus obtain a knowledge all our own a true and lasting possession always ready to do us service but this demands for its accomplishment that very virtue of patience which it is the object of this book to inculcate the first thing required to be understood is that patience is an immediate exercise of the will which is the spring of all free and moral action it must not therefore be confounded with the sentiments sensibilities or feelings because it is a pure act of the will but although like all real virtue it springs from the resolution and action of the will as enlightened by the mind and conscience patience like every other virtue uses the other faculties of the soul and even the members of the body as its instruments the will making them obedient to execute its commands 
and to act in submission to its force and direction but the will of the good christian is elevated by divine motives and sentiments and is energized by divine grace so that the strength of virtue depends upon the supernatural gifts of god but what has to be mainly looked to is the will because when the will is good and resolute and goes in the right direction the whole man follows as a matter of course the second thing to be understood where patience is concerned is the double action of the will the action by which the will advances and the action by which it recedes and refuses its cooperation it advances to what it loves it recedes and refuses to be united to what it dislikes or hates the virtuous will desires and wills what is good but refuses to give itself up to what is vicious or disorderly and although this refusal is often said to be passive it is in fact a strong act of the will and often requires more strength and resolution than it does to desire and will what is good hence this kind of action is the greatest practical proof of the freedom of the will for when the will is attracted by some strong inferior appetite or urged by some strong passion to move in the direction of evil or disorder and yet adhering to higher and better motives that will draws back upon itself and refuses to be drawn away by that appetite or to be driven by that passion this is not only the greatest proof of the freedom of the will but it is the greatest act of virtue but what we have here described is the interior action of patience but left to its own nature the will is so weak movable and restless it is so readily attracted by curiosity its attention is so quickly turned to whatever is felt within us or that moves around us that it cannot be truly firm and patient unless it have a firmament upon which to rest far stronger than nature can provide and the strength incomparably beyond its own as well as a motive more exalted than mere nature can supply the firmament is the god in whom we live and on whom the soul must rest by adherence to him this strength is the supernatural grace of god given to the will this motive greater and stronger than all others on which to place both the attention and the intention of the will is the light and love of god when the will thus rests on god looks to god and draws strength from god that patience is generated which resists all evils and disorders gives us the possession of ourselves and keeps the soul in peace be thou o my soul subject to god for from him is my patience psalm sixty one verse six if we take the common definition of christian patience it is the virtue that strengthens the soul to resist provocations and temptations and to endure afflictions so as neither to give up the good of virtue nor to commit sin this definition is sufficiently comprehensive to include the different ways in which patience is exercised 
as well as the different adversaries to which it is opposed and it shows that the chief object of the virtue is to keep the soul in the peaceful possession of herself but it should be clearly understood by every one who values the perfection of his actions that this virtue of patience depends a great deal more upon the interior management of the soul than upon our exterior conduct not only because it must necessarily begin there and make progress there and there in the interior establish order and peace but also because if the interior man is patient the exterior man will be preserved in patience for impatience begins within the soul and from thence proceeds to the exterior man patience is both a special and a universal virtue as a special virtue it is opposed to two special vices as a general or universal virtue it gives strength stability and protection to all the virtues and is opposed to every vice we have here to consider it as it is a special virtue and as such it is opposed to vexation and anger on the one hand and to sadness on the other for these are the chief destroyers of patience vexation and anger are opposed both to the good of reason and to the good of virtue they darken the light of justice take us from our self-possession bring us into disorder disturb our peace and diminish or destroy charity they set fire to the other passions and appetites and lead us into evil but they are also mixed with sadness and when anger subsides sadness remains and is increased by the reaction from the excitement and folly of anger hence st thomas defines the special virtue of patience to be the virtue that preserves the good of reason against sadness so that reason may not sink under its influence for the moral virtues have good for their object and protect the good which the light of reason dictates against the disturbance of the passions but amongst those passions sadness is one that greatly hinders the good of reason from guiding the soul aright and in accordance with the light of justice sadness is a very subtle vice working often in its beginning without being perceived but grief and sadness are at the beginning of vexation and anger and act as stimulants to these passions and when the excitement of passion subsides the dregs that remain are a more bitter grief and more desolating sadness st paul says the sadness of the world worketh death two corinthians chapter seven verse ten and according to ecclesiasticus sadness hath killed many and there is no profit in it ecclesiasticus chapter thirty verse twenty five hence the soul has great need of patience to keep her from sadness vexation is the beginning of anger which has many degrees from mild resentment to outrageous fury anger is a sensitive irascible vindictive passion a complication of many passions with one prevailing appetite the appetite of revenge it springs out of grief and sadness 
owing to some real or imaginary disparagement offence contempt or injury threatened or inflicted upon us or upon some one dear to us and it awakens in us the appetite of retorting wrong or avenging injury as anger rises to the height of passion the blood starts up the nerves are shook the heart becomes tumid the brain is suffused the mouth trembles the tongue is impeded in its utterance the face glows with baleful fire the whole man is a painful and unsightly spectacle the excitement of the animal man overwhelms the spiritual man and reason sinks under the masterful dominion of passion it is an intoxication and a madness for the time it lasts if we look into the interior of the angry man he can be no longer recognized for what he was imagination has usurped the place of reason and crowds the mind with hateful images and vindictive motives lashed with anger the soul is all in disorder her peace has fled and rent and torn with sharp and bitter trouble the soul is herself no longer she has lost the power derived from her resemblance to god the mind has lost its guiding light the will its rational power pride takes the place of good sense hatred the place of charity and vindictiveness the place of justice and yet anger affects to be nothing less nor more than justice to quote the experience of one who had longed to contend with great anger under great and ignominious sufferings an excited mind ceases to reason carried away by a resistless torrent of wild ideas it forms for itself a sort of mad logic full of anger and malignity it is a state of soul as unphilosophical as it is absolutely unchristian anger opens the door to all the vices and passions and as that guardian virtue of patience is thrust aside there is nothing left that can prevent their entrance hence timidity grief rashness audacity clamour contention strife hatred insult contumely indignation and violence all follow after anger and feed its desolating flames it smothers reason confounds wrong with right extinguishes prudence breaks up friendship treads down the wisdom of counsel befools the wise lacerates gravity destroys peace and shuts out the holy spirit from the christian soul it has been well observed by hugo of st victor that as pride takes man from god and envy takes the man from his neighbour anger takes the man from himself we have described the vice of anger in its full-blown pride and disorder and in its deadly degree because when a vice is seen in all its magnitude we are better able to see what vicious and hateful elements it contains and so can more easily understand that even in its less and lower degrees the germs of those same vices are not wanting although they escape the observation of those who are unaccustomed to much self-examination 
yet sensitiveness touchiness annoyance and such smaller degrees of impatience are not without irritation and interior disturbance and when it comes to displeasure discontent murmuring resentment vexation retort indignation or disdain there is a degree of anger in the soul not without at least an equal degree of sadness but it is precisely these degrees of irritation and vexation when first arising from our inferior nature and making themselves sensible to our superior nature to our light and to our conscience that present the most numerous occasions for self-discipline by the exercise of which our patience may be armed and fortified against more serious attacks of anger the first movements of impatience the first uneasiness of dissatisfaction are warnings to patience to be upon its guard lest trouble arise to disturb the soul and take hold of the will if we calmly look down from the superior soul upon the first movements of irritation or impatience nothing can appear more contemptible and under the rebuke of the gaze of our interior eye they vanish in shame one has seen from alpine heights a little white cloud down in the valley below which unless some wind blows it away will rapidly swell and grow until the whole region is enveloped in mist fog and rain so it is with the first little cloud of trouble and discontent that moves in our lower nature the breath of patience will disperse it but if left to itself it will quickly grow on what it feeds upon and will envelop and fill the soul with anger and vexation for anger is a brooding vice that feeds on sensitive self-love and imaginary wrong far beyond the original offence if indeed offence has been given it is a good point of prudence to realize to ourselves the good qualities of those with whom we have to act and which are almost always more and better in the heart than appears on the surface and yet not to forget their obvious limitations and infirmities that we may not only not misjudge their intentions but may also know what we can justly expect from them and what we cannot reasonably look for this will save an enormous amount of misconception rash judgment irritation and vexation we have all very different characters and the difference arises from our personal limitations which are owing partly to nature partly to the circumstances that have attended upon our several lives and much to the habits in which we have been formed but it is absurd to expect the same habits sentiments qualities and powers in all persons to judge all persons by the same standard to exact what does not exist and then give way to annoyance and discontent because we have not found what we desired as the old proverb says we must take people for what they are and make just and due allowances remembering that others have to allow for our limitations if a man chooses a partner in life for certain good qualities and finds with time that some others are deficient 
the whole happiness of that family depends upon his forbearance with respect to those limitations and upon his doing his best to supply them the same may be said of those who elect their superiors one is chosen by preference for certain leading qualities but there may be limitations as well yet how preposterous would it be for subjects to fix their minds upon those minor deficiencies and to make them the occasion of murmuring complaint and discontent forgetting all the good qualities for which that person was chosen a little society comes together under certain regulations for one common purpose but unless the members of that society make mutual allowance for the diversity of characters and limitations of which it is composed unless they bear and forbear give and take with equal good will contention and anger will enter that society and rend its happiness asunder the apostolic rule bear ye one another's burdens and so you shall fulfil the law of christ is the law of patient charity galatians chapter six verse two applying this law to religious societies the venerable gerard commenting on the rule that formed the author of the imitation of christ breaks forth in this exclamation never no eternally never can charity and concord reign in a community where holy patience does not absolutely rule such is the difference of natures temperaments and inclinations that it is impossible for a number of persons to live and act together in peace with each other and in concord with all unless each one holds his sensitive self-love under the control of patience and merges his private interests in the common good st paul had this great law of christian society in view when he wrote these words to the galatians you have been called unto liberty only make not your liberty an occasion to the flesh but by charity of the spirit serve one another but if you bite and devour one another take heed you be not consumed by one another if we live in the spirit let us walk in the spirit let us not be made desirous of vainglory provoking one another envying one another galatians chapter five verses thirteen through fifteen and verses twenty five and twenty six end of lecture two part one